Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. It's late at night, and you're driving down a dark and desolate road. You haven't seen a soul for miles. As soon as you pull off onto the berm, the sky is clear and the night is quiet. Strangely quiet. An unsettling sensation begins to crawl across your skin. Something is wrong. Suddenly, the car rocks. But just a little, yet the air is still. Then silence. Then, all at once, the roof of the car screams to life as if some freakish demon is tearing its way inside. From backyard encounters with grinning goblins to secrets hidden under the ice of Antarctica. On this episode of Belief Hole, join us as we cast a light into dark and forgotten passageways and explore true and terrifying tales of the inexplicable in the unknown. Conspiracy. Synchronicity. Sasquatch. Homunculus. Alien races. Satanism in Hollywood. MK Ultra. Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Close like, the door, in. Jeremy! In. Close your door! What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Felt. Magicians are demons. Specters. Spirit summonings. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. And Naki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. It. That's old. Y2K. Cover-ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. Vampire. Well, hello, hello. Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Belief Hole season finale. I'm Chris. I'm Jeremy. I am John. Welcome to the show, guys. It is our season finale. <laughs> yes. And what a way to end a season with an excellent Strange Listener Stories, packed full of bizarre experiences from our very own listeners. It's going to be awesome. I saw some good ones, some really weird ones. Oh, you took a sneak peek. I glanced at the notes and I was like, oh, there's some interesting topics. I comb through, I mean, we've got a, probably a couple hundred that we, we haven't had the uh, privilege to work into the show yet. <laughs> the privilege. But yeah, so I tried to find the best of the best, uh, the ones that really stood out to me for this finale episode. Yeah. And it's always weird, John, we've talked about this before, but how like, synchronicities abound in the whole and it's weird how like i'll pick out certain stories and i won't even realize that they connect until i'm going through them it's bizarre it's like wow this one actually connects to this one at the end with some bizarre like for example uh very specific things like flashing lights in the sky above a traveler on an empty highway like what are, like i happen to read these two stories out of 200 that have these weird connections anyways we'll get to these strange things but it's the universe giving you a, a little wink a little wink and a smile I do believe so. That synchronicity episode that we always said we would do. <laughs> It'll, come. It'll come. Season five, baby. Season five. That's going to be a fun season, guys. So don't go away. 
And by the way, during our break, we're taking a break between season four and season five to do some things, but there will be things to look out for. So stay tuned, uh, especially members. We will not leave you hanging. Yes. But season five, we are gearing up for a fantastic season, a lot of fun changes, and some cool stuff for the whole. Yes. And very importantly, we should say this, we are going to be on a tighter schedule, which is excellent for you guys because we'll be putting out regular episodes on regular dates. So you'll know when the episodes are dropping and you'll have more throughout the year because it'll be a little bit tighter of a of a production schedule. Yeah. And you can come join us on YouTube for the premieres, which will be great. Yeah. Those are a ton of fun. Absolutely. And now that everyone knows when they're going to be coming, it'll be, I think, a little easier for people to plan to get there. Set your calendar. Yeah. You plan your entire week around it. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Yeah. Tons of fun. Remember TGIF when we were kids? Exactly. Yes. Thank God it's beliefful. Probably will be on Fridays. Nick at night with private ghost stories. TGIBF. Thank God it's... Or TGIBH. Friday, beliefful, comma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Something regular. We can all meet up and hang out and we can all chat together during the premiere. And Chris makes really cool animations and stuff for the videos. So they're a lot of fun. So stick around for that. But yeah, today is a very special Listener Stories. Listener Stories 17. Yeah, and today we have a huge variety of strangeness in the hole. We've got Fresno barbecue goblins. Let that sink in. Thank God. Electric bedroom visitors. Blood-soaked beasts. And secret discoveries under the ice of Antarctica. Which is a pretty epic tale. Oh, I'm excited for that one. That one, everybody's going to have to buckle up. Yeah, I'm going to say in advance that there are some stories in here. And John, I'm really excited for you to hear some of these. Uh, some are on the more fantastical side. We've done stories from your typical haunting to, uh, things that can venture in the territory of, at a quick glance, people might say, well, that's creepypasta, yada, yada. Someone's pulling your leg. But, um, we have interesting arguments for why some of these more out there, more strange stories may have some validity to them, some weight. And, uh, we always like to give the benefit of the doubt to our listeners, anyone who calls in with their story and is willing to share. You know, we give, it a, we give it a fair, I think, an objective review and listen and really enjoy the stories regardless. But I'm really excited for some of them, especially the Antarctica John one coming up later. Uh, supposedly an inside fella. Special Forces. For the United States Special Forces who saw some pretty crazy things down beneath the ice of Antarctica. As crazy as that sounds. It's a listener story? Yeah, it's a speak pipe. It's a speak pipe. Wow. So we hear from his own words. And I think that's important too. When, the more extreme stories like this, when you get to hear their own words. You can hear the emotion. Right. And as out there as some of the stuff he talks about is, it's interestingly enough, things that we have discussed before. I think it just, it boggles your mind. We actually hear from someone who claims to have been experiencing these things that we've talked about on the show, the really far out there things, especially Antarctica. Specifically when it comes to Antarctica, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So let's rewind. And I will say, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but stick around, guys, when we do the expansion preview, because oh yeah, if you're looking for something holiday-related, oh man, oh my gosh, we have some uh, a pretty bizarre and fascinating topic I'm excited to talk to you guys about later on in the, in the episode when we do the expansion preview for you guys, but so stick around for that. Uh, but right now, let's rewind. We don't want to scare anybody. Let's start at the very beginning of the listener stories today. All right, let's get into our first tale. This is uh, pretty excellent, I think. And it's because, specifically, it's one of these head-scratcher-type stories. It's one of these accounts where we don't know exactly 
what's going on. There's so many things that could explain the very bizarre experience that these people had one late night on the highway. This is called Encounter on the Road. This comes to us from Virgil Myers. This is actually my sister-in-law Susan's story. It happened to her and her boyfriend in the late 1960s, early 1970s, on the highway between Mitchell and Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. Susan and her boyfriend had gone out on a date, dinner and a movie, in Scotts Bluff, and then to a party in Mitchell. After a couple of hours at the party, they headed back. Susan didn't drink, but her boyfriend did, and after a few miles, it was clear he should not be driving. It took some convincing, but she finally got him to pull over at a wide spot in the road, which happened to be where the highway crossed the Tri-State Irrigation Canal. The boyfriend shut the car off while he argued a bit more about his ability to continue driving. I'm fine! Until at last, he gave up and got out of the car while Susan got out of the passenger side and they both walked to the back of the car to switch seats. There was a bit of moon in a cloudless sky full of stars and no other car lights in sight in either direction, and there had not been for several miles before. At the back of the car as they met, Susan was stunned when the area was illuminated by what she described as a strobe light flash that left her a bit dazed for a moment. Her boyfriend had continued onto the passenger side door with his head down. Susan commented on the flash of light, but her boyfriend had not noticed it at all. What do you think that light was? Susan also noticed and commented on the fact that all the night creatures, crickets, cicadas, and even the frogs in the canal had gone silent. Why did the crickets stop? That's weird. She took a last look around and climbed in under the wheel. Reaching for the ignition key to start the car, she found the switch empty and asked her boyfriend for the keys. Keys, please. He looked at the switch and then started patting himself down, thinking he must have taken them out and put them in his pocket. Weird. I don't remember taking them. Then they both started checking the floorboards. Still, nothing. Where could they have gone? Thinking he was messing with her, they began to argue a bit over it until the car jiggled slightly as if another car or truck had just gone by. What was that? The wind from it passing, buffeting the parked car, as the wind will do. But there were still no lights. No vehicle on the road. Then, the car swayed again, harder this time. Yet still, no discernible reason for it. The they just looked at each other, and then outside around them to see what was going on, when it jiggled for a third time. But this time, it was with the sound of metal bending and groaning, as the roof of the car seemed to move over their heads, as if something big was up there. Then a pause. And even more weight seemed to be added as the roof and the headliner seemed to bend, even more downward towards them, popping and groaning as it did. They could do nothing but sit in terror until, at last, it stopped. Then they waited in silence, crunched down in their seats, wondering what to do. After what seemed forever, whatever was bending the roof in seemed to ease up as the metal popped back up a bit. Then, with a final shocking noise, it popped up even more. And suddenly, 
To their amazement, the keys slid down the outside of the windshield to rest on the passenger side wiper blade. They sat there stunned until the boyfriend could get up the courage to roll down his window and look in terror up to the roof of the car. Where there was absolutely nothing. Then quickly, he reached out and grabbed the keys. Susan started the car, and they took off to the Scotts Bluff Sheriff's to report it. Surprisingly, a deputy did go out to the spot at sunrise and told the parents that he could see where the car pulled off the road and could even see their footprints in the dirt as they switched sides, but nothing else. There were no trees for some distance and no power poles or lines going over that area either. All they had was the couple's story and the still bent-in car roof. Susan still gets shaken retelling the story and she is a very trustworthy and honest soul. Wow. So that comes to us from Virgil. Yeah. His sister-in-law would tell the story at every family gathering. People kept asking. So eventually he wrote it down. And it's actually, the full account is on Amazon. You can find it. It's called, If You Blinked, You Would Have Missed It. But he submitted it to us, hoping we'd have some insight on what this experience was. Um, I don't know. I mean, did you guys register what happened in that? I mean, I love the idea that he heard, I mean, first of all, this lady doesn't lie. Like, she seems like a very serious person from everything that he wrote about her to us. And the fact that you hear the story told over and over again, and you, you just, it's the story that he, he wanted to preserve. Yeah. Because he'd heard it so many times. So once he published it online, then now it's preserved, which is kind of awesome. Right. Just like if you heard like an uncle tell a story at every dinner about this hobgoblin that bit his leg. Right. You'd, you know, that, that'll be lost to time unless you do something about it. So it's cool that he did actually publish it. So we'll have a link to that in the notes. But yeah, I mean. But what do you think about the story? Like what occurred in it? I mean, the buckling of the metal and like the yeah, roof. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah. I think it's weird that, what, what about the keys? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that is weird. Yeah, that the keys, they should have been in there, then they weren't. And then it seemed like whatever this thing was on top of the car had something to do with the keys going missing because when it left, the keys fell down from the roof onto the windshield. Yeah, that's, right. that part's, that's pretty insane. That shows like a certain... Intelligence. Intelligence. Intelligence or some issue of missing time. Right. If the keys... Reminds me of the missing 4 and one phenomena and other abductions where like things that the person had on them are now placed differently or their pants are on backwards. Weird stories like that when people are returned. So who knows what happened if there was any missing time or, or yeah, if it was just a sentient creature who picked the pockets of the driver. Maybe it was a sky whale. You know, actually, John, I thought about that. I thought about that from our Sky Creatures episode. That's actually really good idea, landing on the car slowly, looking for food. And it sucked up the keys. Right. <laughs> Doesn't like drunk drivers. He's just a concerned sky citizen. Came down and took the keys away. <laughs> Play it safe. Call a designated driver. Um, but yeah, the light flashing. Like you put these different clues together, you start to picture different things that we've talked about, like sky creatures, of course, the, because a lot, of, a lot of the stories have an illumination about them, right? What was coming from the sky, right? The light above Yeah, them? it was a light, bright flash that she couldn't explain because there was no weather. There were no cars. Uh, very yeah. bright. That's interesting. And then this phenomenon occurs, of course, you know, with the missing time aspect to it, that could be part of the story. You could also go, you know, the UFO route. Right. But the UFO probably isn't landing on the car unless it's some kind of like force, force field pressure. Right. It probably is something physical like a sky whale. That's why I said I love the story because it is such a, it's such a strange one. It's- yeah, definitely. The keys part is, is pretty mind blowing. Right. Yeah. Did you guys see Nope? No. No. Nope. I know a lot of our listeners have. I, I want to, but part of me, this is going to sound really lame. You got to. Part of me didn't want to see it because once I got a little note 
that it was about what we had covered with the Sky Creatures episode. Spoiler alert. I was like, man, it kind of made me jealous that we, you know, didn't find the time to create a million dollar film. We were supposed to make <laughs> a movie about a, an alien sky whale in the sky. Because we covered that a few seasons ago. And what a fascinating topic yeah, that be, is. So. It should be uh, reinforcing. I know, that. I know. I need to go. I need, I do need to watch it. Maybe that episode will trend now. now that it is do. a weird thing for someone like him to cover, I feel like. It, well, it is a very esoteric concept. It was popular in like the 1970s. Yeah, I mean, sky creatures, I mean, in modern culture are pretty unknown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we kind of pulled it out of the history. Well, I think that Jordan Peele is a listener of Beliefful. That must be what happened. That's my guess. <laughs> I'm sure. That's the most likely. That's Occam's razor right there. I that's think he right. hate listens to us. He listens to us for ideas he can <laughs> he steal. He's listens. like, their ideas are so good. I have to steal this one. I hate it. I make a movie about it. No, but I mean, that's, I mean, that is our, that's probably one of my favorite topics that we've covered on the show, the sky creatures, because it is so yeah. esoteric. Sky jellyfish. But it is so, when you really dig into it, it, it does seem so possible. Uh, when you yeah. go, to, we go through all these accounts and you consider how, you know, we've talked about this before, but how deep the sky is, how much room there is in the atmosphere compared to like even the oceans. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah. May need to revisit it at some point. Yeah. The yeah. last thing I'll say about this, just this area itself, it's Scott, it's interesting because we did the National Parks Containment Theory right. discussion with Missing 41, things like that. Well, this is smack dab in between two giant protected land acreages uh one three thousand acreages eight, that's, is that a word three thousand on one side three thousand on the other side you've got the scotts bluff national monument which is this breathtaking huge outcropping of of rock that used to be a mile mark or like a, a landmark for people traveling on the oregon trail but that whole area is protected then on the other side you have the uh, north platte national wildlife refuge another three thousand acres of protected land where anything could be hiding away. There's not yeah. traffic going through. There's no development going on. It's just an interesting aspect to right where this was. And it's also right on a cross waterway. We've talked about the power in crossing waterways before. Anyway. Oh yeah, that'll come up again later. But yeah, I do think that strange things like to scuttle about in protected lands, it would seem. Yeah. <laughs> just another case. <laughs> scuttling. Like to scuttle about in protected lands. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good scuttling? We should probably move on to the next story. Yes. Great story, though. Thank you so much, Virgil. It was terrific. I did find this exact location on Google Maps by kind of figuring out which highway it must have been because they were traveling from Mitchell to Scotts Bluff after this evening. Anyway, so I'll have that in the show notes so you guys can drive there. Yeah. Hang out on the canal and do an investigation of your own. Yeah. All right. This comes to us from Alex, and I call it Bed Frame Ghost. This happened in Fort Worth, Texas in 2015. Back in 2015 or so, I would occasionally stay at my boyfriend's house that he shared with a roommate. The home was built in the early 1900s in a cool little gentrified area in Fort Worth, Texas. The house was beautiful. It had great charm, a unique layout, and original hardwoods. It never gave me the creeps. I actually felt very comfortable there. Until one night, I abruptly woke up confused and a little groggy. It was very chilly in the room. While still laying down, I looked at the foot of the old wooden bed frame, and there she was. It felt like my heart stopped, and I froze instantly. There was a figure of a woman slowly walking, or rather gliding on the floor from left to right. I stared motionless, still laying down. She was glowing a cerulean blue, but with some discernible features. She was wearing a fluffy bonnet on her head and a long, full prairie skirt. 
Her outfit was Little House on the Prairie, Little Bo Peep chic. She made her way along the foot of the bed, staying glued to the bed frame, turning the corner to my side to complete her L-shaped path. I wanted to move or scream, but I couldn't. It is said people freeze in situations they've never encountered because the human brain can't process the action necessary due to lack of experience. My brain paused. She glided closer until she was immediately by my side. At this point, she stopped and turned towards the bed and began gently leaning towards my face. I don't remember detailed facial features, but she was definitely a human spirit. It was almost like she was bending down to kiss me goodnight. Well, before that could happen, I sat straight up in bed and gasped so deeply it resembled a reverse scream. She disappeared. My boyfriend woke up immediately and it was over. I truly believed it could have been the spirit of someone who may have lived there before or even someone tied to that land somehow. I continued staying there from time to time and that never happened again. I wouldn't say she was trying to scare me or had any ill intention. Her movement came across as if it was a recorded sequence, very timed and routine as if she had done it over and over again for a very long time. Interesting. Uh, stone tape theory much? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I love this account because it's just, it has so many hallmarks of a classic haunting, like very Ghostbusters. You've got that cerulean blue, right? The very Disney sort of blue color. Blue glowing. You've got the, the room gets cold first, right? That phenomenon that you typically hear with the classic ghost accounts. Little Bo Peep chic. Yeah. And John, you're right. The stone tape, the definitely, that sounds very... Well, just the fact that she did it almost kind of like, like a routine, like it's just yeah. playing over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of would require the person who is being kissed by the ghost, kind of in the same position as whatever that ghost Yeah. Was. That's what I'm kind of thinking. She was, she was maybe kissing her daughter. Yeah. Like that was probably where the bed would have been located previously, whoever had lived there. That's weird. Very interesting. Yeah. It's interesting because there was a, a speak pipe that we're not doing on this episode, but I happened to listen to, and it's, it was from our good friend Simon, who's had some pretty fascinating accounts, but it's almost identical. The same sort of entity coming into the room, glowing this bluish green color, coming over to his bed, crossing over, leaning down, and going to kiss him. Good night. Weird. Isn't that strange? It's these blue kissers. Yeah, these blue kissers. Type of ghost category. Cerulean blue. I've never heard of that color. Yeah, before. I actually looked it up. Uh, it's pretty beautiful. Is it like a dinosaur blue? Reminds me of like um, Alice in Wonderland blue. Yeah, you could say that. It's it's a deep blue. It's like a, when there's no atmosphere in the sky, when oh, there's no humidity, it's that deep sky blue is a cerulean blue. Yeah, that's the color of Alice in Wonderland's dress. Part of it. Oh, is it? Pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, look at Alice. It's the exact same color. Sky blue. It's a good choice for her. It's also a beautiful sounding word. Cerulean. Yes. Yeah, but thank you for that tale. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Yeah, it makes you wonder, John, going back to that stone tape thing, it does make you wonder how many of those specific experiences are actually, are they just spirit residue or are they conscious entities? Spirits come. You know, could it just be an echo and not something that's actually spirit aware? Spirit residue. Wraith residue, if you will. Anyway, this next one is another fascinating one. I love this story. This is a speak pipe we got from a fellow named John Sheffer. Oh, yeah. Good name. That's a great name. That's John's name. John's name is John. And by the way... <laughs> If any of you do want to send in a, a listener story, 
Speak pipes are a great way to do it. If you want to use your own voice to tell your tale, we do appreciate those. We do like those. Add some spice to the show. Yeah, come on over to Bleafle.com and uh, to the bottom of every page on the right side, it says share your story. You can click that and then click the speak pipe button or you can go to the very top navigation bar and it says listener stories. It's a drop down and there it says share your story. It'll take you to the same share your story page and you can either click the leave a speak pipe button or, you know, however you want to do it. Or you can always email an audio clip too, if you need to. Yeah, many ways to get us your tales. And don't take it personally if you don't hear it right away, because we do get quite a few and we, you know, there's only so many we can do at a certain amount of time, but hopefully yeah. we will get to as many as humanly possible over the coming years. Yes. yes. And if you have sent a speak pipe in, check your junk mail or your spam, because there is a chance that we responded to it with our voices. Sometimes those go into the uh, spam folder. So check that out. But let's get into this really excellent account from John Sheffer, um, Electric Visitor. Hi, guys. Um, my story takes place in the 90s sometime, maybe the mid, maybe early 90s. I wanted to finish college, go full time. So I moved back into my mom's house and my room was in the front of the house, almost like a closed in porch. And when I was studying, I would just, I still did say, I'll just read in bed and lean against the wall with a pillow. And, and that's how I would read. So one day it was the afternoon. I was wide awake. I was completely sober. And I heard this buzzing sound up in the air above my house, almost not, almost like a cicada, but not quite. It, it didn't fit. It, it wasn't a toy helicopter or a plane, and it wasn't a cicada, but it was sort of zigzagging around over my house. And I thought the kid next door had some kind of toy that he was annoying me with. And anyway, the noise goes on for a few minutes, and I'm half listening to it, half reading, and it's getting louder. And it's, I'm actually starting to get irked at the sound because I thought it was Chris next door who could be a bit of a punk. But I couldn't place the noise. And then it just lowered down to the house. And it was sort of at the eave that would be on the outside of the exterior wall, which years later I was driving by and I actually went to check. There was a metal gutter along that eave, which was important because as it lowered down, it started pecking along the roof. Weird. Almost like it was trying to get through but I think that metal gutter repelled it. And then a moment later, this is after it had been outside, maybe three minutes it was flying around above the house. It went zoom and went through the wall, the one I was leaning on, and was in the middle of my room. It was an invisible, I'll call it an orb, and it was pumping out massive amounts of energy and sound. The sound was as loud as a, a as a stereo, almost on full. Um, it sounded half like half like hummingbird, half leaf blower. So it was like wah 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 wah, and it would zip back and forth across my room, like wah 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 wah, then pulse up in the corners or up by the ceiling. At one point, it dive bombed towards my nose. And it did a swoop right in front of my nose, then went back up to the ceiling. And um, I wasn't like terrified. I was just, I guess, in shock and maybe some apprehension. And I remember thinking, I had my book in my hands. I remember it was a hardcover because I remember thinking if it, if it dived towards my nose again, I could protect myself with the book. And it dived again and I protected myself with the book. And I remember thinking also at that moment that if I protect myself, it'll know I'm scared and leave. And shortly after that, maybe it was in my room 
Uh, maybe 20 seconds, maybe less, maybe more. Um, after I protected myself with the book and went back up to the ceiling, or uh, roughly, and then went out the opposite wall and lifted up into the sky and was gone. I ran out the front door and I'll say watch, but I, I, again, it was invisible, but I could hear it zigzagging up in the sky and disappear. And that's it. Now, in the 90s, you know, there was really no story. I'm sure they were out there, but there was no internet, really. And there were no stories of orbs and things going through the walls, but I, I told everyone I knew at the time about it. And um, I'm kind of, I, I, I wanted to share it because I'd be curious to hear any theories about what it was. Um, as far as the psychology of it, for me, I, I don't know if it was alive or not. It kind of felt like it was looking at me, but it could have been some kind of dimensional periscope. I like that. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, I never really felt threatened. I never felt it was a ghost or something. And I just don't know what it was. And I've never had an experience like that again. Wow. Yeah. Pretty fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it's just so strange. You almost be like, how? Okay. For sure. I wasn't dreaming. <laughs> right. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. So weird. Cause initially my first thought was like, you know, pumping out sound. Mm -hmm. And I think Jeremy, you were going to kind of discuss briefly what some people might initially kind of skeptically consider that it maybe was ball lighting. Yeah. My initial thought when I heard this, trying to think of a scientific explanation was ball lightning, which, uh, at first, so I wanted to, could this be ball lightning? Is that something like, can it pass through walls? Yada, yada. Not without damaging things, I'm sure. Well, I read some stuff about it and it can pass through solid walls. So you can, you can have that coming through. Uh, the buzzing sound is also a signature sound of ball lightning. But what's interesting is that ball lightning itself is still visible. It's visible, but it's also not understood. And to a lot of the scientific realm, I guess you could say, the scientific community, it's not even an established thing. A lot of people actually believe that it's not real. It's, a, it's a, something that the person hallucinates. Mass psychosis or something? Yeah. What? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's Didn't dad have that experience? Yeah, dad did. Yes. Dad, his whole family, when he was young, came through. It the, came out of the phone and rolled around on the floor. It burned a hole in the carpet. That's so nuts, dude. That's such a good story. We should tell that real quick. We should. Yeah. Well, do you remember essentially what happened? He Basically, he was, uh, from what I remember, um, I almost, almost called him today to get the full details. Basically, what had happened was he was in the living room with his parents and his sisters, I believe. Uh, and this would have been in like the... 50s or 60s and there was a I think the phone rang I think there was something that alerted them to the phone initially and they had picked it up I believe but somehow uh, this ball this glowing ball of electricity came through the receiver and zipped around and then fell onto the floor and rolled in a circle and burned a hole in the carpet. Yeah, it burned a hole, right? Yeah, yeah so I mean, Crazy. it's not it's not a, an illusion, uh, but there are people, you know, who if they don't see it, they... It's weird, there's no pictures of it out there on the internet. Yeah. There's no real life pictures of it. There's none? I don't see really? any. Uh-uh. Not like... Well, here's, here one might be. Globular bolt... Globule. I love that word. Not many. I mean, there's definitely not any like real good ones where you're like, oh, that's definitely. Well, they're so unpredictable and the, the ability to 
snap a shot of it. Yeah, you know, that would be pretty I mean, rare. Makes sense, but, it, yeah. but I, I imagine that our best shot would be it happening when someone's like filming a family event with a video camera or doing a selfie Instagram video or something, you know, some real. You hear ball lightning being used a lot for the scientific community that does believe that, that it is a real phenomenon. Oftentimes use ball lightning to explain away UFOs or will of the wisps, spirits in the woods, uh, fairy lights. Yeah, I mean, that definitely. Right, but this this is what's fascinating too. I think we all enjoyed his uh, suggestion of a dimensional periscope. Yeah. Because he had that yeah. sense of the con- the consciousness. Good, good idea. Yeah. Like something looking at him, like he was being watched. Right. And I feel like what's fascinating about that is like, it makes me think of like, even just the nature of energy. Is it possible, and it sounds out there, but is it possible that, that you know, think of like elementals, like a, a electric elves and that kind of stuff. Is it is it possible that gremlins, that there could be something like a, a dimensional parasite or something? We talked about fermions in the last episode about these things that supposedly can travel between the dark realm and our realm, mm-hmm. the light realm, passing back and forth. Is it possible that there could be something acting in energy that we can witness via electricity or specifically something like ball lightning, an orb that is conscious because it's being used as a dimensional periscope or as some kind of uh, vehicle. And the way that it acts randomly or it's seemingly randomly to us is really just an affect of, uh, we see it as an affect of electrical activity when in reality it could be somewhat conscious and being controlled, operated, or uh, maybe even like a, a living atmosphere for some other type of being. Right, we're just seeing a sliver of its real form is what you're saying basically. Maybe ball lightning is when it becomes conscious. But either way, ball lightning, the thing about ball lightning though, I, was, I always thought that the idea was ball lightning. It, it runs out of that energy. It doesn't wouldn't go back yeah. out of the house and up into the sky and he would hear it leave. That's what I thought was... And that, also, that is weird. Also, I don't think there was a visual cue. Yeah. It was all sound. Yeah, definitely not ball lightning. Yeah. Uh, thank you for that story. Uh, we will definitely look into that a little more. That's a whole fascinating, different sort of phenomenon it seems like. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, great story, John. All right. Okay, this next account. Actually, she sent a really well-written version of this, and she also sent in a speak pipe. So I'm going to play the speak pipe for you guys, and then I have a, a little bit more on the description of this terrifying thing that she saw while fishing with her fiancé. One sunny afternoon, midsummer, uh, they've been catching a lot of sunfish, but not catfish or bass. So they moved to the second pond, and that's when they had this terrifying encounter. This is from Victoria. This happened in Smyrna, Delaware in 2019, and I call this the Beast of Three Pond. I have a story that was about five years ago. This takes place in Smyrna, Delaware, and it's on a farm in the middle of nowhere out there. And we use it for fishing because there's two ponds out there. There's a big pond and a small pond. They're like right next to each other. They're like maybe a hundred feet apart. So we were at the big pond. We had just got set up for fishing about hour in. We had heard something getting attacked, like a bleeding noise, like um, a baby something getting attacked. So me and my fiance, we decided to go check it out. Bad idea. If we could go save whatever was getting attacked. So we got about 50 feet towards the little pond and we seen this huge black dog-like creature out there and it was chowing on whatever it had just attacked. And I thought it was a dog at first, so I was like, me being me, the animal lover was like, oh, let me call it to see if I can get it away from whatever it just attacked. Hey, and as here. soon as it lifted up his head, I knew it wasn't a dog. It was this 
It, it was dog-like, but it wasn't a dog. I don't know how else to describe it. Mm-hmm. And it was huge, and it was black. It had, like, cropped ears. And as soon as I called towards it, it lifted up his head, and it let out, like, this deep, uh, almost like a mixture between a growl and a bark. It was nothing like I've ever seen before. And I'm very familiar with dogs. I've worked with dogs most of my life. And this was definitely not a dog. And it started chasing after us. Holy crap. So, little to say, we got the hell out of there. We ran, um, didn't look back, and we got out of there. Run. And about two years later, we went back out there just to hang out, me and my husband now. And we were just out there to hang out and look at the stars. We hadn't been out there in a while, and we hadn't seen whatever it was since. So we were in my car, because my car has a skylight on it. We were just looking up at the sky through the little sunroof, and my car shook like something had jumped on my car. It had shook the entire car. There's no houses around. There's nothing out there that could have gotten on the car that I know of other than like maybe deer or something. But there was, as soon as we got out of the car to go check it out, there was no prints, there was nothing. We still don't know what it was and little to say, we hauled tail out of there. We still haven't come back to that farm. Um, it's a it's a creepy place to me. Out in the middle of the night is not the place I want to be. Hope you enjoy my story. You guys have an awesome day. Thank you, Victoria. That's freaky, man. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. freaky. And the, her written account, I'm just going to read this real quick, just the description because there's more details in her written account that really make you go, hmm, as they used to say in the 90s. Uh, things that make you go hmm uh, okay this is how she described it quote a huge black dog-like creature its face covered in blood its eyes as dark as coal with no whites the whole eye was black its tail was as long as its body and skinny like a whip it was very muscular and had pointy ears that's familiar right it was very large its shoulders would have been above my hip if it had stood next to me I am five foot four inches. Wow. When it heard me, it looked straight at me and snarled, showing me its teeth, which seemed to be far too many teeth for its mouth. And the canines protruded past the lip line. Gross. Then it let out the scariest bark growl I've ever heard. And she said that this this bark growl, she felt it move through her body was so... Wow, that's creepy. uh, Almost like... What's that term? The Oh, yeah, infrasound. Like infrasound almost, where it, it actually like it affects your psychological state. Big cats can do. And stun people, or stun animals or whatever. Uh, yeah. I think the fact, too, that she's worked with the anim- or dogs her whole life, it does give her story more credibility that it wasn't just an yeah. incorrect sighting of a Doberman or something. For sure. You can tell, too, when people are talking from memory, yeah. usually. I mean, I'm not saying people can't make stuff up, but she did seem pretty sincere in her tone. Yeah, she sounded genuine for sure. What did she witness? You know, we can't know, but there are a lot of reports like this. A werewolf. The werewolf. You know, and speaking of which, I have to say... say, She she didn't say it was 
She said it just wasn't a dog for sure. But yeah. I wonder if... Right. Does that mean it didn't look like a potentially a dog man? Maybe it was something else? Yeah. I mean, she said it was... Reminded her of a dog, dog-like, but it was We've wasn't. covered the, like, American Hyena stuff before, too, that was pretty interesting. Right. Um, who knows? American Hyena. I mean, there's so much out there. Then, of course, there's the dire wolf explanation, you know, remnants of an extinct species. And if you believe in window areas like we've talked about, who knows what can pop in and pop out. That would explain so many strange accounts that are just seem so, like, random mm -hmm. throughout history. And then ball lightning rolled across the road. <laughs> right. It jumped out of the dimensional periscope. Yes. To say hello. Yes. And back in. That's weird. Thank you for that story, Victoria. Yeah. Thank you so much for the story. So I Googled, I wanted to know, are there Dogman accounts? Not a lot happening in Delaware in the form of Dogman. There is the famous river Hot Dogman, which apparently- What is that? I need to know right now. What is that? <laughs> There's a river. <laughs> There's a river called the Famous River. I thought he was famous, but maybe it's just the river is famous, the famous river. And there's a man that floats there and will sell you hot dogs. That's like his thing. Oh. So whenever you try to search Dogman Delaware, oh, you get, yeah. <laughs> you get, you run into that problem. So I ran into that a lot, but then there is some strange stuff. You remember guys remember doing the, the triangle, the, um, can't think off the top of my head in Delaware, the, um, remember the Huckamuck Swamp? Yeah. And the Bridgewater, Bridgewater Triangle and all the strange stuff there and the Puckwudgies, that's all in Delaware. In, within an hour and 15 minutes, an hour or so, you have the, you know, legend of the, the burnt swamp monster, or the Selbyville monster, which, you know, people say is a hoax that was started in the, I think, 20s or something by a newspaper man. But even since then, people have been hearing these weird sounds in the swamps. So it's, it's a weird area. Oh, yeah. You know, who knows what people are experiencing there. And last thing I want to say about the dogman aspect of like the possible, because we've covered dogman a lot on the show, obviously. Yeah. But the whole thing with the cropped ears, like the pointed ears, the, the sort of Doberman, well, that's obviously like a thing that humans do to their pets. Right. Like they'll crop mm -hmm. the ear. But what's interesting is we don't hear often the thought that maybe it's not, you know, a dogman. Maybe it's a jackal man. Maybe like it's an Anubis type character because we talk about those connections with Anubis. The jackal man. And the dog man and the fear eating. Yeah. Anyway, uh, another episode, but connection with Anubis. Yeah. Just go on yeah. and on. And, and the fear eating. And the fear eating. <laughs> and the fear eating. The nightmare feeding. You know. Just like so nonchalant about it. You know, the fear eating. <laughs> We've probably said it a thousand times. But I know. Now. It just becomes old hat. It's one of our phrases here in the you whole. Know, like gravity and fear eating. If you guys aren't new to the show, we talk about the nightmare feeders and the the fear eaters that feed on our on our fear. So don't feed them. Starve your ghouls. Yeah. If you haven't heard that before. Starve your ghouls. I feel like chicken tonight. Before we go to break, I wanted to read just this quick little description. I'm just still kind of fascinated by the ball lightning. Oh, sure. I just think that's such a weird phenomenon. And this is just the first paragraph of the National Geographic article. It says... Instances of ball lightning, glowing electric orbs in the sky, have captivated and mystified us for centuries. The bizarre phenomenon, also known as globe lightning, usually appears during thunderstorms as a floating sphere that can range in color from blue to orange to yellow, disappearing within a few seconds. It's sometimes accompanied by a hissing sound and an acrid odor. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sulfur. It's just, just a weird phenomenon. Like yeah. that'd be such a weird thing to see and like yeah. hear it and smell it. What's the thing too is they can't study it because it's so unpredictable. Yeah, they haven't been able to replicate it. So that's why people are torn about what it is and how it works. That's why you could argue that, you know, since we can't study it scientifically, maybe it's beyond science. How can they not recreate it? That's a good question. There's a whole other lightning phenomenon that they discovered like this past year. You guys see pictures of that? It's like this squid-like lightning that happens in the sky. So we're still discovering things about the weather, about our atmosphere. You know. We know everything. You mean about nature spirits and elementals? I mean, I know everything, but 
I think it's all fairy stuff, guys. All right, let's take a break. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. I, I want to say one quick thing. Just following up the Dogman stuff, I have to say this because there was one person that I always wanted to get on the show because she seemed like such a sweet lady and she kind of got me into the, the Dogman phenomena. She was like an early pioneer of that with the, the Beast of Bray Road and everything. Linda Godfrey. Linda Godfrey just passed away oh, recently. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Yeah. She just seemed like such a sweetheart. And she was an epic journalist, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. At the, um, in uh, Elkhorn, Wisconsin, where she worked in the paper initially and, and broke the story of the Beast of Bray Road. And she's been so prolific. Her books are amazing. We'll have links in the show notes, guys, to her we books. lost but... her, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. We need to get on, um, what's her name before she, you know. Oh, don't, don't, I don't want to say like she's going to go anywhere. <laughs> don't jinx anyone to death. We need to get on people that we really want. <laughs> Linda Bolton Howe would be awesome to have on. I've always wanted to have her Yeah, on. she's another fantastic Oh, I think woman. that's who I was thinking of. Another Linda. She had the excellent documentary, mm -hmm. Strange Harvest. Is that what it's called? Uh, cattle Mutilation. Fantastic stuff. Really fascinating. Um, yeah, she's great. I think she'll be with us for a while, but I would... Uh, feel like you never know now. Because, yeah, these people are young. Sometimes they just disappear. But, yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to say that. Hearts go out to the family and everyone who loved her. Yes. So we're about to take a break. Um, but before we do, guys, let me tell you a little bit about this expansion clip you're going to hear. So you're going to hear a clip from the expansion episode. And I, I want to say, stop what you're doing. If you have a child in the room, please. If you haven't had a conversation with them about the jolly fellow that climbs down the chimney this time of year. <laughs> Just want to give you a chance. If you don't need any Santa spoilers, it's too late now. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I didn't, say anything. I didn't say what the secrets are. These are adult secrets about Santa Claus. I'm not going to say what it is. Just give me a chance to turn down your radio. Pause it till you get home, away from your beautiful kids, because we are going to talk about what I call the Santa Lacrum. This, John, I think you're going to be really, really interested in. This is fun. Or maybe not. It's like Krampus? No. So we are going to maybe discuss a little Christmas lore, some, you know, mysterious, dark Christmas stuff. But I got into a topic that I call the, the Santa Lacrum because what is happening around the country and around the world, a bizarre number of people are seeing Santa Claus. Hmm. They're seeing the sleigh. Something pretending to be. That's the key. Something that's not quite a simulacra, a Santa Lacrum, if you will. Something that's slightly off, but resembles Santa Claus. And it's so strange because adults will see this and it will stun them. They'll be confused because how do you process that in your mind, this thing that isn't real, right? We talked about this with the imposter entities and the Muppets and that kind of stuff. Children's cartoons coming to life in their bedrooms. Taking advantage of the reputation of a jolly character to do some darkness. Yeah, so when you're getting these stories of people witnessing this thing as adults, as children, some of it may be fallible memory as children, but when adults witness it, uh, there's just something strange that we're going to get into, something going on. And I'm going to develop this theory called the Santa Lacrum, uh, the Simulacra Santa. What if it is the case? We talked about tulpas before, right? Like tulpamancers and that kind of thing. Tibetan Book of the Dead talks about tulpas, and you can conjure something. If you have enough belief in it, you can create or conjure a being, if you will. Well, think about that idea and consider the fact that on Christmas, it's the one time of year where the entire country, at least in the United States, and it's celebrated in different places, different ways, but the idea of Santa, the belief in Santa among those of us with the most powerful imaginations, if you will. Children. The most untainted, unsquashed imaginations. Yes, children. They're all at the same time focused on this entity, this character that doesn't exist. So what if the earth is this map of belief and imagination in Santa Claus, conjured or, or fed by these children, and then each house where there is this belief is a little node on that map of belief. And the power in those nodes and places could
could allow, let's say, let's say it's not a tulpa, let's say it's not something that's being imagined and created, but instead it's the potential for something to use that belief and manipulate it. Let's call it a Santa suit, if you will, that maybe something just beyond our realm, on the dark side, whereas we are on the light, a dimension right outside of ours that can tap into that focused belief energy to manifest, but singularly manifest in the form that they are expecting, which is the Santa Claus. And so you start getting these weird offbeat visions, appearances of something in their room that maybe is scuttling under the tree or is eight foot large and kind of deformed, but has, you know, a white beard and a hungry mouth. Who knows? Creepy concept. But anyways, there's a lot of weird stories. So we're going to get into that. There's some really creepy stories. Sounds pretty fun. Yeah. I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. Join us. Yes. Join us in the expansion for a special holiday episode. It's going to be a great time. So if you want to hear that and get all of our 70, 80 episodes of expansion bonus full-length episodes, go to believehole.com and click on the big red expansion button. And you can join there. Uh, and we have multiple tiers available, but any will get you in the door and get you those amazing expansion episodes that we so hope you enjoy. Yeah, so uh, enjoy this clip. And then after the break, we'll be back with more strange listener stories, secrets under Antarctica and creatures under the bed. Oh, and uh, don't forget the goblins coming. Goblins are coming. Can't forget the gobbies. We'll be back. Access granted. Jean Hingley had waved goodbye to her husband while he went off to work in a bitter cold morning when he saw a light in the garden. Thinking he had left the carport lit, she went to investigate. But it was dark, so she returned to the kitchen. She put down some food for her hobo, the family Alsatian, and called him from the garden. But he flopped down as if drugged and gazed at the ceiling, glassy-eyed. What's wrong, bud? Then with a noise, three weird creatures flew past into the lounge. They were only three and a half feet tall and had waxy white faces and coal black eyes with no eyebrows and very thin mouths. They wore silvery clothes with a transparent bubble-type helmet over their heads. Oh, they're the helmets again. Mm-hmm. Helmet elves. These humanoids also had transparent, quote, wings and floated. Jean was clinging to the sink, paralyzed. But then, she says, she suddenly floated towards the lounge. Oh. Jean noticed that the aliens were inspecting the ornaments on the Christmas tree with interest. They also probed into her mind with telepathy. Quote, It was like a light or an x-ray penetrating. They told her she would not be harmed, and when she asked where they were from, they said, or rather, she could not tell which one said, We come from the sky. Then she explained why the house was all dressed up to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Quote, We know all about Jesus, they claimed. They said they would return, and quote, we come down here to talk to people. But they don't seem to be interested. Finally, this is a bizarre story. Finally, when we showed them how to light a cigarette, what? <laughs> they fled as if in terror. <laughs> taking a mince pie each with them. <laughs> taking a mince pie each with them. Outside on her garden was an egg-shaped object with windows. They floated into it. 
and it took off, emitting a bluish flash and pulsating twice before disappearing with a flash. The dog returned to normal, and Jean called the police. The electric clock in the house had stopped, and all her cassette tapes were magnetized and unplayable. In the snow where the object had sat was an oval outline which the local UFO group was able to photograph before the snow melted. When the cool light of the blood moon beckons, the midnight call won't be ignored. And every creature of the night looking for love needs the right scent to snare their heartthrob. In partnership with Ruddy Man Grooming, the brothers of the Belief Hole have curated Night Stalker. A beard oil scent that blends the masculine earthy forest aroma with the seductive notes of tobacco and vanilla mm. for a subtly sweet balance that will have your partner purring late into the evening. However the night moves you, Night Stalker Beard Oil is your loyal companion. Yes! So head over to Beliefful.com and click on the Night Stalker button. Available in beard oil, bombs, and butters. And don't forget to use the code BELIEFHOLE for 15% off your purchase. That's BELIEFHOLE, one word, all lowercase. Night Stalker. For a superior breed of beard. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you to have me here. Thank you to be here. <laughs> I hope you guys are ready for the second round of Strange Listener Stories for the season finale once again. Uh, heck yeah. I am pretty pumped. These are my favorite sorts of episodes, as I've said before in the past. i just like to know what strange happenings people have experienced out there in the world. What are all those amazing things that are going on out there that we don't get to experience for some freaking reason? Yeah, I'm starting to wonder. I've had them in the past, but... If I don't experience something soon, I'm going to start doing a skeptic show. Just to taunt taunt the spirits? <laughs> Jeremy, you got to cling on to the experiences you have had. What do you want to see? I want to see... Well, I want to see a dogman right before I die, because that's probably what will happen if I do. His <laughs> heart will stop. Uh, I'd like to see a love slug. A what? A love slug? A love slug? You remember our talk about love slugs? Yeah. It's my concept of the opposite of the fear eater that like lives on the other side, but it enjoys our pleasure and, and love. <laughs> and so it feeds off our joy. Yeah. Love slug. I was wondering if that would be your Santa lacrim idea, because wouldn't that be the perfect time for love slugs to come into our realm? Is during Christmas a Merry Christmas time? Oh, yeah. They're all over us Christmas. Yeah, I won't just focus on the dark. Love slugs are swarming right now, guys. They're getting ready. They're all around the hole. They're all around you, around the holidays. They follow Santa wherever he goes. It's getting slimy and sticky. Santa leaves a big trail of joy. <laughs> People are coming to the show are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> New listeners. Okay, so love slug, dog man, um, ghost. I think a ghost would be the most accessible thing to probably see. Yeah. Or, Maybe a succubus if it's like a pleasant experience. Well, I should, we should say we've all had some sort of close encounters with something like that. Oh, yeah. John, you had your refrigerator ghost thing, but you just didn't see anything physical. It just kept opening and closing the door. Yeah. My UFO is definitely my... Your top. 
my biggest. My out of body was definitely my my most like mind opening. Yeah, experience. I mean, mine was the my. I definitely had a the smoke monster for me was probably my major. Yeah, I still don't believe that. I mean, you weren't there, John. Okay, <laughs> John. It almost gave him magical powers. Did you hear the story? You didn't experience <laughs> it. It wasn't in my mind. <laughs> Well, it didn't give me powers. It felt like it was going to, but it, but it was real. I mean, whatever happened. But it was real. <laughs> you had an intimate moment with a smoke creature. That's true. For sure. It was real. All right. Well, speaking of real stories, let's get back into our first <laughs> incredible account. And this one. I'm just kidding. I believe you. I just don't so know if you were. You were pretty worked. You had worked yourself to death. Okay. Go ahead, Chris. Start the show. Speaking of fantastic stories, this one is pretty incredible. This one comes from Jose Torres, and I call this the Fresno Goblin. Can't have enough goblin stories, I always say. John, this one's for you. So me and my best friend were living together at the time. We live in Fresno, California. We have four dogs, a male husky, a male blue-nosed pit bull, and two small terrier mixes, a male and female. One night, we were outside barbecuing some burgers, And while we were barbecuing, I was looking at my phone facing the chicken coop. We had three chickens that would walk around and go into their coop as they pleased. The dogs never messed with them. Well, at one point, we heard something hit the fence and land in the yard. I figured it was one of the chickens, so I ignored the sound. My buddy was standing in front of the grill facing east while I faced north. Whatever jumped the gate walked right up to us, and by the time I saw it, the three-foot-tall tan skin troll, or goblin creature, lifted its arms and swung them back, releasing the weirdest vibration sound we've ever heard. Both of us immediately went numb and started to slump over when the dogs all came charging, led by the husky. This thing stopped and then hopped away. The yard was a good size and it left in three hops, literally. Strangely, as it left, we felt exhausted and dazed. We could hear the creature run off through the alley and the neighbor's dogs all started barking down the block. We ended up turning out the grill and went inside. To this day, we haven't been able to find out what it was. If you guys have any ideas, please let us know. Weird. Sir? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like a goblin. It definitely sounds like a goblin. I mean, do goblins make a weird vibration sound? And All of them, John. Hop? Again, there's that infrasound <laughs> kind of thing. It's true. I, I know, mean, yeah, that was weird. Take the story at face value. There is that connection there with you know, all these sorts of things that you hear. There is that sort of low emitted strange thing that has an, has a, a physical effect on your body your your biology well it's weird too because it was also the other story that not the ball lightning but what we were alluding to it made that weird vibration sound too yeah i mean <laughs> weird story i mean i just love the visual though the thing like coming like coming up i know what he's <laughs> like going after the chickens i'm guessing and then he smells the barbecue and he's like okay it smells a little better over there dude this is so bizarre this is so weird. Okay, so in our research that we do in the hole to do as much corroboration as we can, uh, I came across outside of Fresno, because this took place in Fresno, right? The Fresno Goblin. Just outside of Fresno, I think it's actually about an hour, 15 minutes away, is Porterville, California. Now, I came across a curious story about a woman by the name of Tammy, who apparently 
was terrorized. Her and her family were terrorized at their home in Porterville by what she describes as a gnome. Very similar kind of thing, two to three feet in height. She said before she saw the thing, or before any of her family saw the thing, the ducks and chickens were starting to disappear around her house. Oh, weird. It's the same sort of species. Some strange thing. Right? Chickens, it's a favorite food. Likes the poultry. Um, so super bizarre. So they ended up selling the house in 2010. And then the next family that moved in witnessed the same thing. This two to three foot tall, she described it as a gnome. It, it was, uh, they'd hear it chuckling. It was sharp toothed, wide grinning mouth with these gnarly teeth. What? This is just an hour away from this experience? Yeah. Wow. And the next family uh, grinning? caught one grinning. Like, yeah, just uh, uh, malevolent. Like you think of an evil gnome, gnome, like leprechaun kind of thing. The movie. Yeah, right. Great movie. Warwick Davis. Jennifer Aniston. So the family moves in next. The husband witnesses this thing. They hear this like kind of gargly kind of humming singing sound coming from the, the backyard or whatever. And there's a koi pond back there. And the husband, I believe it is, looks out and sees this thing smiling with these teeth, like, you know, gurgle singing, I guess you'd call it. Looks at him, Weird. pulls a koi fish out of the pond and swallows it. What? And they had no knowledge that these things were here before. And what's crazy is that when Tammy, the previous tenant, when she moved in, she had no idea, but apparently the neighbors had been experiencing this thing for a while. And what's interesting is when she moved away, it continued, but she moved just down the street and still on the Thule River. The Thule River is a waterway that runs along this neighborhood where they lived, where all these people were witnessing this thing. She said that uh, her neighbors were actually run out of the river multiple times by the same gnome. So this thing is huh. haunting or stalking this area like it's his territory. And it's weird because then you have the river again. Is there something sacred? Yeah. I was just going to say that. Is we there had... something spiritual, metaphysical? And it's interesting because it's right near a native reservation too. And it's the Thule River tribe of people. And it'd be interesting to see or hear if, if they have any folklore traditions about little, like, you know, the Chumash people and their little people. It's weird because when you were saying that, it's just so bizarre because the stories that we've had with gnomes, a lot of them, there's the river's edge. They see them on the bank of the other side of the river. Is there right. some sort of connection there with what the, are these all sort of the same thing? Like we've talked about before yeah, in our the fairies gnome, and gnomes. Yeah, episode. Last thing I was going to say about that was it was weird. In his story, the Fresno encounter, you hear the thing that jumps the fence or whatever. So in her follow-up on this story, this article I found, she'd actually posted a comment as a commenter like, hey, I'm Tammy from the story. This is really what happened, yada, yada. And I'll put that in the show notes, but she has this one quote that's just reminded me of our Fresno story today. She said, one night as I was laying on the couch, I heard something running very fast across my front deck. It hit the gate so hard that it flew end over end. <laughs> the thing running was too heavy to be a cat, but too fast to be a human. So again, these things hopping fences and eating chickens. Yeah. And ducks. Just weird. Weird. And it's only an hour away. Is there something there? Chupacabra. Chupacabra, potentially. Humanoid chupacabra. So that's, that's my answer, John, to your question you asked Jeremy earlier. My answer is goblin. If I could choose to have an, a paranormal experience in the near future, because I think I'm going to get away okay, but it'd be, it'd be a story. Well, they have sharp grinning teeth. That's true. Bite your ankle. But yeah. it sounds like they like poultry, you know. Ghosts, but ghosts can't hurt you, though. They can take your soul. As far as you know. Oh, that's a demon. Well, how do you know which is which? Yeah, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference until it's too late. Well, you, if you could just ask for a ghost experience. Oh, that's true. Like ask. Oh, so if we have like a leprechaun, we can ask wishes? Yes. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> First thing I'd wish to experience a gnome. 
We have a weird thing to wish if you, because if, that means you just witnessed a small magical thing and then you wish to have a, another small magical thing. <laughs> That's true. That'd be kind of a, a redundant wish. Do you see a leprechaun and you wish to see a goblin? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'd probably be good on the paranormal at that point. Like, and just That's wish. what you want? I He's like, really? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here, guy. That's pretty funny. I would wish for a Merry Christmas for all our listeners. Jerry, I will say uh, that's pretty awesome that you found that corroboration. I mean, that's talk about corroboration. This is 15, an hour and 15 minutes away, and it's almost the identical experience. Pretty interesting, man. Very similar, at least. Yeah. Good job. Very strange. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Jose. Yeah, great story, Jose. I hope you still enjoyed your barbecue. Yeah, let us know if there are any updates. Shall we move on to the next tale? Let's do it. Yeah, let's take us to the bedroom, Chris. Let's get cozy. Well, yeah, it's a, a whole haunted home, maybe. Abby, this comes from Abby Bernard, uh, a good friend of mine. She had a pretty incredible experience that we are going to recount here. This is interesting. This has to do with reoccurring dreams that lead to a very real and terrifying experience of something under the bed. Uh, I call this under the bed. I've had this reoccurring dream frequently for the past nine to ten years. The dream takes place at my childhood home where I'm walking down the hallway looking for my father as my parents were divorced. There's four doors in the hallway, one immediately on your left to the basement, one on the right to the bathroom, another to the left to the master bedroom, and one at the very end of the hallway that was my bedroom. Suddenly, the basement door swings open, and this woman in tattered clothing comes out. I immediately feel threatened, and I'm trying to run down the hallway, but being in a dream state, I can barely run. My father, or what looks like him, opens the master bedroom door and the smell of rotting corpse flesh was so apparent. They grab me and that's where the dream always ends. One specific time, my father and I had gone back to my childhood home late at night due to him and my stepmother getting into an argument. The house had no heat at the time, so we slept in the master bedroom together with our winter jackets on. I had woken up from having that specific dream and went to get up because, being a child, I wasn't able to fall back asleep. As I got up and set my feet on the ground at the edge of the bed, something with long, dark arms and fingers grabbed both my ankles and tried to pull me under. I struggled and broke free and ran to the living room where I sat for the rest of the night. I haven't had any other experiences with this long-armed creature. That's a fun one. That's pretty pretty horrifying. That that's the heart of the belief hole to me. The boogeyman, the thing under the bed. That is like the core essence of what's out there. What have we lost from childhood? What maybe we used to be able to experience? but may still exist, you know? <laughs> to this day, when I stand up in the middle of the night, <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> around 3 a.m., I still like mm-hmm. think about something reaching out and grabbing my ankle. It's an ever-present fear. Yeah. Or how many kids jumped away from their bed at night? It's so silly, but... Maybe, but John, maybe it's not silly. Maybe that's a... Uh, maybe. It's a stored memory of yours, and back in your subconscious, there is... I have a memory, and I don't know if it's a true memory or not, but I've always had this memory coming in, into an adulthood of one night, my arm hanging off the side of the bed and something grabbing it and me reacting and running out. But it's so, it's such a, like a, a compartmentalized little 
movie in my mind. I don't know that it's mm-hmm. if it's real, but it, a trace. Oh, did we had any? We've had. I remember the detached hand grabbing. Yeah, several disembodied hand stories and coming out from under the bed. So I mean, yeah, she's not alone under the bed. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't seem like it would be scary. I mean, compared to some things, but it would be horrifying if it oh, actually yeah. happened. Oh, dude. I mean, I think that would be better than having like a full size demon under your bed. Grab you. Maybe it's just the hand of the demon. But right. Yeah, how do you know? But if it was detached, it wouldn't be as scary oh, right, as right. if it was a full-bodied demon. In a weird way, in a weird way, like a dismembered hand would be less scary than a than a membered hand. Well, it sounds like yes. it sounds like Abby's experience, there were arms involved. So it wasn't a it wasn't a disembodied hand. It was something, a whole thing under oh, the bed. Oh, you you start adding arm on to it, it just brings it to a whole other level. That's right. Well, it's terrifying because think, where is it taking you? Right? Yeah. Under the bed, but why? Is that a window area? Is that a gateway? Because obviously the whole thing's not fitting under there. It's going to take you down. People disappear all the time. Yeah. What if some people are being taken into another realm through underneath the bed? Yeah, or through closet doors. Boogeyman theory. Boogeyman theory. That'll be, <laughs> that's a great title. These nodes that Jeremy's talking about, the, the Santa Lacrim that we'll be discussing the expansion, could this be one of those window things where maybe, maybe he's not leaving gifts, maybe he's taking the children. That's why you got to starve your girls, people. Starve your ghouls indeed. Don't be afraid of the thing under the bed. Fight it. Abby, thank you so much for sharing that story. She did, I did ask her, I was like, since I know her, I said, fascinating story. Do you know any history about the house? Like anything that could create a situation like this? Negative energy. Any weird experiences your family had? Negative energy, whatever. Her brother said that he had had a ton of experiences in that house, I guess, including he and his dad came home to find the bathroom sink running, the kitchen sink on full blast, cabinets slamming. She also mentioned... She said, I do know that before we lived there, the previous owner's husband had either committed suicide in the driveway or the upstairs bedroom. Oh, okay. Poltergeist. So that's uh, definitely an ingredient for a true haunting there. So that could definitely play a factor. Yeah. Poltergeist. Poltergeist, indeed. It's a good German word. Poltergeist. Noisy ghost. Yes. Well, hope you're, uh, does she still live there? Yeah. Hopefully it's, things are a little more at rest there and sleeping peacefully in the beyond. Whatever it is. Creepy creepies. Great. Thank you so much, Abby. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing, Abby. Yeah. Before we share our final incredible tale from Tanner about the strange technology discovered under the ice during a mission in Antarctica, uh, we have a very special person to thank on the show. Yes, we do. Skywheel Rider. Skywheel Rider. Yes. Beautiful Skywheel. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yes. Oh, Vic. Thank you, Vic Rainey. Yes. Vic Rainey. True hero of the whole. True hero. We are so grateful for people like you. Yes. And everyone else. Yeah, going above and beyond. Going yeah. above it's and the beyond. highest tier in the whole to support the show if you like what we do and you want more, more love given. Do you want to get us to the next atmosphere? Day. <laughs> the next day of production. <laughs> no, it, it does help us because we really we put quite a bit into the show and... It's nice to be able to have a couple people that really yeah. give some extra support. So we appreciate you, Vic. Looking at you, Teresa, Lindsay, Renee, and Patra. Yes. Thank you all current Skywell writers. Yes, all you wonderful, wonderful people. Excellent! For those of you who don't know, that's our highest tier. It's it's uh, 50 bucks of generous, generous support a month. So you guys are amazing. We really do appreciate it. Very generous. Absolutely. And we'll get the rest of the thank yous coming up later in the episode. But wanted to give a special shout out to our new, new member, Vic. But I'm really excited to get into this story this is one I've been sitting on for a while. I reached out to Tanner to try to yeah. get some more information from him because he said he has other experiences he does want to share. So Tanner, 
If you're listening, this is your account we're about to share here. Yeah, hit us back, Tanner. Yeah, he said he would. Uh, he didn't know really how to communicate with us, but if he heard his story in the show, he would reach out again. So let us know, Tanner. Just email us at brothers at beliefhole.com. We sent you, I think, a speak pipe back to get some more information and having her back. And a lot of times that goes to junk. So check your spam junk folder. But in any case, thank you for the story. We're going to play it. It's pretty incredible. It's one of those that require a little more suspension of disbelief just because the average person hasn't been in a position to experience this kind of thing. Obviously, we haven't. But I think he sounds genuine and sincere. And uh, yes, let's play the clip and then we can discuss after. Okay. I call this secret tech discoveries under the ice of Antarctica. Hey guys, love the podcast. Um, Figured I'd call and tell you guys a a little story. I got a bunch of them. So I'll just share a mild one. And if you want to hear more, I'll be happy to tell you. So I was um, Special Forces Navy for six years. And then a contractor ever since I, I got out after I got injured. And I've been all over the place. You, you name it, I've been there for the most part. Uh, well, one time we were going down to Antarctica, and this is probably the fourth or fifth time I had been down. And let me just tell you, there is some wild stuff down in Antarctica. So we get to Christchurch, New Zealand, like normal board. Uh, C-130 like normal to go down to McMurdo Station. And when we get down there, they tell us, you know, that we weren't staying to McMurdo. We were going, you know, not far, but far on the ice, uh, ways uh, north of McMurdo. Uh, You know, 10 miles there takes an hour, right? So we go a couple hours away and we get to this cave is what I thought it was. But when you get there, you realize there's this massive door. And it is, you know, four or five feet thick, 25 feet tall, and it's black. It's the craziest material I've ever seen. It's just like shiny black, almost like volcanic glass type material. And the door is perfectly balanced. And you can touch it with your finger and it opens up. And it's on like a swivel, so... You can spin it in circles, basically. Normal. Coral Castle. And we go into this, through this door, into this room that was massive. And the thing that caught my eye first was it was a couple of acres big room. And there was no structure for the ceiling. There wasn't any poles. There wasn't any rafters. There was nothing that was holding the ceiling up. It was like a cave. But man, something made so there was three levels to this place, the top level, and then each level you go down, uh, the rooms get smaller, but when I say smaller, they are still massive. And the bottom, the very bottom had a, a pool thing, kind of like on ships. Uh, I forget the terminology right now, but on ships, they always have this room under the water line that you can go in and they'll flood the room up and open the doors and you swim out and go attack a ship or a submarine and you swim back in they let the water back out and you walk back off into the ship and like the abyss that's kind of what we thought this pool thing was but the thing was every time they would send you know drones submersible objects down in it within about 30 40 feet they would short circuit they'd stop working and so they were debating on sending us down there and of course i was not about to volunteer So once we, you know, kind of had a look at it and they told us what they wanted us to do, uh, we went back outside 
and all of a sudden we all started getting like really sick kind of like radiation sickness i would guess i've never had it but that's kind of like you know after reading about it it's kind of like what we had and so we hopped back in the big red which is what they call this monstrosity of a vehicle that they use down there it's like a monster truck on steroids with like 10 wheels on it bigger than you and we go back to mcmurdo uh where we then you know go to a couple of other sites out there and i can save that for another story and for whatever reason john Kerry, senator Kerry, came down and once he got down there the mission for us to go swim in that hole was you know put on the back burner and we stayed for a couple more weeks interesting uh did a couple other things and then when it was time to go back a storm was coming in and so if we didn't get on the next transport out we would be stuck there for like four months that's how crazy it can be down there. And the transport wasn't able to make it to get us. But Senator Kerry, who was down there, had came down on his own flying vehicle, is the best way I can put it. And he was like, well, you guys can ride with us. You know, there's only like six or seven of us. So the flight from... Christchurch, New Zealand to McMurdo Station on a military transport is about 10 to 13 hours, depending. And they make us eat before we get on this plane thingy. And (laughs) almost as soon as we sat down, we all passed out. I mean, every single one of us fell asleep. You know, I think that they gave us something in the food that caused us to fall asleep and have foggy memories because... We woke up maybe two hours later, and we were in Christchurch, and we were already off the plane. Like, we were sitting on this, like, pallet thing, and they unloaded us. I don't know. It was really weird. None of us really knew how we got there. And when we checked the time, and it had only been, you know, two, two and a half hours, you know, it was like, well, that's bizarre. Something went wrong. You know, our clocks are wrong or something. We didn't really think much about it. But then every time, you know, we were talking— about, you know, how in the world do we get back this quickly? You know, no one could remember what we rode on. You know, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, we hopped on the C-130 and, you know, came back. No, it was, what did we ride back? Well, I know we were in a, a plane with the senator. Was it a plane? You know, over the years, my memories come back in little increments. And it was um, a giant triangle. And... The best thing I can say is it's the, you know, what is it, the TR3B. TR3B or whatever they call it. But this thing was like 40 foot by 60 foot. I mean, it was huge. And, you know, it took us a 13 hour flight and condensed it down into two. And yeah, I mean, there was there's a bunch of other weird stuff I can tell you about Antarctica and Nevada and Guam and just off the coast of Japan at Okinawa. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you guys want to hear more stories, I'd be more than happy to, you know, talk to you guys. I appreciate you guys. Uh, I listen every day when I'm out in my woodshop working or, you know, driving to school, where which the Navy is currently paying for me to get my aerospace engineering degree. And hopefully from there, I'll be up in space. So, wow, awesome. yeah, uh, thank you guys. And if I hear this story i will uh, be excited yeah thank you and uh, have a good day 
Awesome. That is quite a story. Crazy. Thank you so much, Tanner, for sending all that in. It was so insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is definitely a, it is a big story to swallow. There's so much going on in that story. But again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, it seems far-fetched to a degree, but then you think about all the things we've covered in sincerity and this lines up right along those tracks. It's just, yeah, it's crazy to hear it from someone who claims to have actually been there during a sort of procedure like this or a sort of mission, you know? I mean, there's so much there that has this real quality to it. For instance, what they took, what the food that they ate, they made them pass out mm-hmm. the lost memory of what they it's flew just so back on. oddly specific. It's not like some crazy story. It's just weird enough to be like, yeah, well, that's really weird and specific. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is there's no like monster that they had, you know, right. but the, all the weird little details, just he kind of rolled through the story. Like he was retelling a memory. It just seemed very genuine to me. What's interesting too, is I was just, I remember, I remember when Carrie went down there. I remember that too. I remember yeah. that was such a weird thing, especially because we, we were doing the Antarctica stuff a couple years after that. We did an episode on that. And I remember looking at that then and how weird it was. And there were some conspiracies behind it. There was something about the timing of his trip. That I remember there was a conspiratorial nature behind it, or there was some sort of mystery behind, like it's something was so strange about the- Wouldn't surprise me at all that these people have this kind of technology. And then it lines up time-wise, you know, he was down there. And what's interesting is I came across- Isn't he skull just, and bones? He was Skull and Bones, yeah. Yale University, just like George Bush, his Skull and Bones friend. Um, <laughs> skull and Bones friend, they have tattoos. So weird. Matching tat- skull tattoos. They have like little tramp stamps, <laughs> little Skull and Bones matching. <laughs> it's adorable. They have sleepovers. George Bush pulls down his, shows the small of his back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, any hizzle. This is interesting. This is an article. Carrie's Wasteful South Pole Trip. This comes from AEI.org, but they also quote from Washington Post. But this is just little elements of this are just so strange. So there's a picture of him at McMurdo Station. Oh, right. Which is what Tanner referenced where they were. Mine's right up. Right around the same time. Um, 2016, it was the end of his term as Secretary of State. First Secretary of State to visit Antarctica, according to this article. Now, this is weird. This article is saying, basically, he went down there allegedly to study climate change and the impact of the climate on Antarctica. Right. But what's interesting is this article goes on to say... While Kerry received a briefing on melting of the West Antarctic ice sheet, curiously, the Washington Post mentions just a single briefing despite the two-day trip ah. and side journeys. Kerry could have just as easily talked to scientists by phone or Skype. That's interesting. Or he could have spoken to those returning from Antarctica instead of wasting taxpayers' money just to fly down there himself. Was it a cover to do whatever he was doing with this pool in the bottom of this... That's the question. Because interesting, this is like a, an article that's basically arguing fiscally that this right. was a waste of money. You know, it's not a conspiracy blog. It's but it, in between the lines, you can kind of hear like, why was he down there for two and days? Th- this article is suggesting it's because he he just it's tourism. He just wanted to spend taxpayer money to just fly around and do stuff he didn't need to do and visit Antarctica, uh, get that seventh continent. I think secret secret missions is more likely. It did make me kind of laugh. I just have a hard time picturing John Kerry in a TR three B. It seems like above his pay grade you know like that seems like black budget stuff you know but then again i mean who knows well, who's clone. connected and who's not i mean if he's part of skull and bones that's yeah. true that's a good point you never know like what he and just because he's at a certain you know station position in formally in the government doesn't mean that there's yeah, other a good point yeah i've always thought he was kind of a, a creepy guy and according to this article there was a substantial number of aides and colleagues that accompanied him on this essentially wasteful useless excursion to Antarctica that didn't need to happen. I'm sure he's a very nice man. 
that's in the Skull and Bones. <laughs> yeah, and for those of you who are interested in the, the Skull and Bones deep dive, we did do in the expansion, I think last season, a, a very deep dive. That was really good. The crazy synchronicities with that one. Actually, it was main feed and expansion. I think we did a two-parter on our very rare conspiracy episodes these days, but it was yeah. very fascinating and very enlightening, or very illuminating, I should say. Yeah. Um, what was his name again? Tanner. Tanner, we would love to hear more stories too, man. I'm sure if you've got a lot of absolutely interesting. Yeah. If any of them are like that, it sounded like he has some that are even more intense. So might be a good interview. That's true. Yeah. And I asked Tanner in the response to speak pipe, you know, if there's any more information you can share for corroboration, I get, obviously you probably can't give us like your outfit number or whatever. If you want to keep some sort of the nitty gritty, you know, but if you've got anything that you could, you know, corroborate your story with. He's getting his education paid for yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now, but I don't uh, want to step on those toes, but. Fascinating story. And all stories today were fascinating, guys. Thank you to everyone who sent stuff in. Yeah, we've got many more. So, and if you love listener stories, this is our 17th official one. We also have a playlist on YouTube of just listener stories. If you want to jump through and hear these sorts of accounts, they're so interesting. And if you are wondering where listener story number nine is, that's just a mystery that will live (laughs) in the belief hole forever. So don't ask. Oh, yes. And now it's time for a very, very special message. John has a supersonic stinger for a very special guy. Special friend of the show. Yes. Jordan Brown. Play it up, Johnny. Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, (laughs) Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown, Jordan Brown. Happy belated birthday. Yes. That was terrific. That was so triumphant, John. That was most excellent. He's a triumphant young lad. Yes. Jordan, happy birthday from your folks. They come from good stock. Credits to your father, sir. Friend from uh, a long time ago. A legend from a camp we used to go to uh, for a long time. Years and years. Camp Luther. His whole family were kind of legends. Fabulous guitarist. Yes. The Brown family. Yeah. Good family friends. So we we were delighted to hear that his son, Jordan, was a big fan of the show. Very awesome. What a cool thing. So happy birthday, man. Merry Christmas to all of you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Jordan. We we really appreciate it. And we hope you have an awesome rest of your year. Yes. And a great 2023. Absolutely. Interesting side belief whole fact, his grandfather uh, gave birth to us. Well, delivered us. Oh, delivered us. You know what that I mean. came out wrong. Uh, he's our. He was our uh, family doctor. He's our uh, doctor Dr. Brown. Brown. He did. He delivered us onto this earth. I came out first because Chris was scared. And my godfather. He's also my godfather. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the Browns are are close to our hearts. And Jordan, you are super special in the hole. So thank you, sir. You are a very cool guy. Very cool to have you listening, man. Yes. Cheers to you on your birthday. Yes. All right. I hope you guys join us in the expansion. But first, we want to thank some very special people, supporters of The Belief Hole. Here come your names. Black Eyed Cool Kids and Up. Welcome to The Hole, and thank you for your support. Alicia Clements. Yes! Clemency is granted. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. For whatever crimes you may have committed, like supporting the show. Welcome in. It's not a crime. Uh, It's not a crime. It's a duty. It's not a crime. (laughs) Uh, Tom Kraft, welcome to be here, my friend. We've crafted this for you, and you've supported us. Crafty fellow, if I've ever seen one. Kraft mac and cheese. Welcome in. Jordan Heinrich. Ooh, nice, strong German name. Yes. Heinrich. Yes, Jordan. Thank you, my friend. Welcome to be here, sir. We appreciate you. We salute you. Yes. Damien 
El Conquistador. Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have conquered the expansion. Wow. Jeez. You got Chris excited on that one. Settle down. <laughs> I've made a mess. That is a fantastic name, sir. True hero in the hole. Welcome to be here, Lawrence Votee. Hello. Ooh. We vote Excellent. for you, Lawrence. Double vote from you. Yeah, that's not a voter fraud in our book if you're double voting for Lawrence. Mm. Thanks for being here. Stoysmaster696. Stoysmaster? That's an awesome name. Welcome in. Uh, Welcome to be here, Stoysmaster. Thank you, yes. Lakota. You are a hero. Bathrooms the down the hall to the left. Yes. Speaking of bathrooms, if you need that floor changed out, go seek the floor whisperer. Oh, oh he's back. He's back. <laughs> yeah. And he's back at Dogman level. Nice. Oh, that's a true hero. Bring in the hounds. We forgive you for being gone. <laughs> How long this is going to go? <laughs> voices. Thank you so much for your support, yes. Floor Whisperer. It does mean a lot, and that's very generous oh, of you. What did you say? How long is this voice going to go on? How long is this going to go on? <laughs> Until you said something. And then a couple more after. This is an interesting one. Game Mayhem is a Dogman Whisperer. Ooh, I like that. Game Mayhem. He's the true dog man. You can play with us anytime, game mayhem. Causing trouble in the hole. Uh, oh, Tom Craft again. Tom Craft upgraded to Dogman Whisperer. Whoa, he gets his name right again. Unreal. This guy is everywhere. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> such an obnoxious voice. He's everywhere. I'm trying to stop. Yes. Oh, please stop. Um, Dogman, thank you. You are amazing. Yes. Uh, another Dogman in the hole. Let's get ready for some real growls, guys. Can we get? Can we give some some roars? There we go. Albert Victor. Yes. Ooh. Albert Victor. A true Victor. He's a <laughs> Victor of the hole. <laughs> nice Dogman roar, and I get like a nasally <laughs> laboratory. <laughs> You're next in line. Oh, Albert Victory. Come on in, Albert. Thank you. You are Victor in our book. Yes. Leo Vela. Yes. Well, hello. Yes. Welcome, Leo. Yes. Through yes. the Vela to the other side. Lion of the Vale, that translates <laughs> to in my book. Lion of the Vale. I love it. Leo, thank you so much, Leo. Yes. Uh, CJ4700. What? What's up? Is that your birth name? 64 Blue Papa, go back, go back, call back. Yes. I think his name might be Chris. And Chris, we appreciate you. Yes. Welcome to be here. Welcome to be here, sir. Mitch Hi or Hey. Hi. Yes. Hi. Interestingly spelled. Hi. Mitch, thank you so much, my friend. Yes. You are a true hero of the Mitch hole. Mitch is not in a ditch. No. Yes. He's Mitch. in the hole. <laughs> Pitch a ball to Mitch and he'll yes. throw you in the ditch. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a terrible rhyme. Uh, we love you, Mitch. Thank you for being here. Scott Yanosik. Yanosik, perhaps. Welcome in. You know sick in our book, Scott. The door is open for you. Sir, you've leveled up. Welcome to be here. Yes. Welcome, my friend. Dogman Whisperer, <gasps> scratching at the door. I always say that. They gotta be coming from somewhere else. Tap it at the window. There you go. Jason Paul Tyson. Knockout. Ooh. Ooh, that is a mouthful of a name. Yeah, not the best chicken, but a great fighter. Yes! Absolutely. Jason, we love you. Matthew Topsy is not Topsy Turvy. Well, he's right as rain. <laughs> he's right as rain down to the bottom of the bucket. He's a wonderful sir. He's a he's wonderful, a wonderful sir. sir. Yes. So oddly said. He's a wonderful uh, sir. I'm falling off. Uh, Debbie Pious or Pious. Ooh, she's not. Oh, Debbie. What is a pious? Mean? Pious means that you are godly, it's not righteous. Spelled that way. Yes. It's not spe you guys can't see the names. They're not spelled Maybe that way. Maybe she's but full of it's pies. Pronounced that way. Maybe. Maybe. We're totally guessing. But it is. It's an elegant name. Delicate Debbie. We, we appreciate it. Delicate you. Debbie. <laughs> I meant to say her name is Delicate, not her. Delicate she might be. Debbie. She might be stalwart. She's stalwart Debbie. Anyways, we love you, Debbie. Oh boy. Uh, Beatrice Von Page. Yes. 
I feel like she lives in a castle. I've been waiting for you, Beatrice, you beauty. She does sound like a princess. She sounds like she would live in a castle. You are betrothed to Beatrice von Page, and her dowry is quite large. Oh, I've yes. seen Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> Upstairs, what downstairs. What accent was that? Bridgerton. <laughs> Just say period piece shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my good lord. Okay. Uh, Julie Holocaust. Welcome in, Julie. Holocaust. That's better. Julie Halakwas. I hope we pronounced that right. Uh, thank you so much for being yes. here. Dogmans yes. are extra specially loved. Shannon Roseanne, one of my favorite sitcoms growing mm-hmm. up. I'll tell you what, bring that harmonica in. Give me a little John Goodman, a little pizza table. I'm all Whatever happened to... No, that's, that's the right the song. song. <laughs> it's a lot of harmonica, uh, I remember. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon, anyways, for talking too much about the show. Not about you. It's about you, Shannon. I don't think there are vocals in that song. Just no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> At the end. <laughs> anyways, her name is Shannon, and we love her. Thank you so much yes. for being here. Uh, for $25, a shadow person of interest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I was hesitant to say the Lord's name in vain. Jesse. Yes. Jesse Martin. Woo! What a hero. I'm interested in you. These are three belief hole claps from each one of us. These are real claps, not even a sound effect. Yeah. That's right. A shadow person of the hole going that extra special upper class tier. We love you. You can't. You can't feel how much we love you right now, but it's deep. It hurts so much. Yeah, I'm about to throw up. I feel it so much. I love you so much, my elbows hurt. I'm throwing up my love all over the floor right now. <laughs> it's disgusting <laughs> and, and amazing and joyful. Rainbow. Yes. And finally, for this episode of Thank You Runs, we have Rachel. All right. Just Rachel? That's my favorite. Just simply Rachel. Rachel. A beautiful, yes. beautiful, yes. beautiful lady. And a dogman whisperer. To boot. We appreciate you, Rachel. Yes. We'll be your Ross. Real hero of the If whole. you ever leave, we're going to hunt you down. Oh, that got dark. <laughs> the threats always come at the end. After the love is given and the support, then it's we need. Now we're at addicts and we will suckle on your syringe. I until... have the nose of a dog man. Okay. And the charm of a Bigfoot. <laughs> and the charm of a Bigfoot. I don't know what that means. The but... charm of a goblin. <laughs> goblin charm. Sounds like a great candle scent. Ingratiating goblins. Ingratiating goblins. Thank you to everybody. Yes, thank you guys for getting down in the muck with us and really, really helping out the whole. Really, we love you so much. It's just endearing and it's special and... And have a good day. And have a wonderful day. (laughs) Yes. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Amazing stories. Yes, and hope you enjoyed season four. Yes. Yeah. Season five is going to kick some major bottom. That's all I have to say. Season five, starting... January 27th. Put the date on the calendar. It's going to be a brand new season. Book it. Way above and beyond anything we've ever done before. Just like every season is. Join us. Yeah, join us 9 o'clock. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Standard Time. YouTube. 6 PST and all the times in between on YouTube for the premiere. You can chat with us in the uh, in the chat window. We all have a great time in there hanging out, talking. Oh, it's so fun. You guys got to come. It really you is. You get to talk to us in person-ish. Yeah, and for members... We're going to be introducing some new stuff, especially for those at the higher tiers in the fifth season. So look forward to that. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited about it. Yes. The hole is just going to keep growing, guys. And with your support, we can turn the lights on tomorrow and the next day. So thank you, everyone who's been here. (laughs) That's such a weird way to say it. (laughs) What? Because of you, we can turn our lights on tomorrow (laughs) and the next day. Have a good shower. (laughs) That's about right. Uh, My words don't work all the time. But anyways, we love you guys. Thank you so much. We love you, and again, I, we see your reviews. We get them when they come in on iTunes or wherever, and reviews have been awesome. We may do like a review read sometime on off-the-cuff content or something, because some of them are pretty hilarious, and a lot of them are just great and have really helped people know that the show is quality and they should listen, and that's 
that's really helping us grow. And we need growth because we need to stay here for you guys and for ourselves. So thank you, everyone who leaves reviews. <laughs> these wonderful ways of saying things. Well, I'm just talking with my mouth normal. We need to stay here for you guys and for ourselves. <laughs> I hope to stay here for myself as well. <laughs> All right, I'm doing a lot of Santa Claus research and yes, joining the expansion <laughs> for the Santa simulacrum stuff and also outtakes if we have them. Santa lacrum. Do a lot of Santa Claus research. Coffee. What do you want? <laughs> Brain not work so good. It's a normal kind of problem people right. have. All right, guys, we love you so much. Uh, thank you all for being here, and we will see Merry you Christmas. next time. And a happy new year. Merry Christmas, happy new year, happy Kwanzaa Hanukkah, or whatever Adam Sandler said in his song <laughs> SNL. Weird. Enjoy life from now till next time. Yes, and a happy new year. We'll see you then. Jeremy will get his words back. <laughs> My words will come back, <laughs> I think. All right, guys. All right, goodbye. We'll see you next time on, on Belief Hole. Just close my eyes and think